How are you now? <laughs> How are you right now on this fine Friday morning? It's got it's got to be Friday morning when you're listening to this. Maybe it's Friday afternoon. I don't know, but it's it's certainly not Thursday night when this game was supposed to be because it started at fucking 11:30 for me for ten, probably 10:30 for most of you in the eastern time zone. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habsize and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and your Montreal Canadiens lose 3 to 2 to the Los Angeles Kings. Um that was an expected loss um and I think Tank Nation is probably going to be pretty happy that they didn't pull off the comeback in that one but Let's get to the recap real quick because I would probably like to go to bed because I have to work in the morning, <laughs> but, uh, you know, fuck my job, right? Who cares? Um, <laughs> I'm tired. What do you want from me? Uh, well, we go into this one and right away in the first period, I'm like, this sucks. This is low event. There's not a whole lot of shots. I think eight minutes into the game, there was five total shots. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, I expected at least to have a bit of run and gun between these teams. Like, the Habs playing kind of loose. They, they don't really have anything to lose right now. The Kings in a pretty good position themselves. You know, they're playing against a team that's definitely inferior to them on paper and otherwise. You would think, you know, maybe you get a little bit of entertainment out of this, but it sucks. And I can't quite put my finger on it. And then all of a sudden, I see <clears throat> going into the neutral zone, right? The Habs are trying to carry the puck out of their zone. They go into the neutral zone, and LA is running a 1-3-1. They're running a neutral zone trap. I hate that. I didn't notice that the last time they played the Habs. It was, what, back in December, I think. I didn't notice them running a 1-3-1. So I don't know if this is something new or if I just didn't notice it last time and I'm an idiot, but they're trapping. They're trapping, and it's making for the most boring piece of shit first period that I've watched. However, however... Habs get a power play just past the midway point, or just before the midway point, rather, of the first period. And Nick Suzuki gets the puck in the corner. He's looking all the way across the ice for Mike Hoffman, but it gets deflected into the slot, and Josh Anderson just kind of takes a random blind whack at it, gets it past Phoenix Copley, and it's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. That's your score at the end of the first period. The second period, it's still Trap City, bitch. Trap Trap City, bitch. We are in for a long, boring game if they keep this shit up. And if the start time of this game didn't put me to sleep, I thought the Kings were going to put me to sleep with the way that they were playing this game. So infuriating. I really don't like that style of hockey. I know it's effective, but I hate it so, so much. And then they obviously get a goal. And now you know they're really going to trap it. Uh, right off of a faceoff, Gabe Velarde gets it over to Alexia Fallow. He puts it past Jake Allen, and I'm wondering, you know, how bad is this game going to get in the third period? Because 1-1 is your score after 2. I was expecting this game to fucking go to overtime and keep me up even later than I need to be. And it actually got pretty entertaining in the third. You know, they kind of backed off from the trap a little bit, and they were trying to get the insurance marker um, a little bit more aggressive on the forecheck, and, you know, it got a little bit more entertaining. Jake Allen holding things together for the Montreal Canadiens for the most part in that period. Um, Habs got a power play. Mike Hoffman had multiple golden chances, but Phoenix Copley robbed him. Uh, it, it turned into a much better game. But then near the midway point, Matt Roy just kind of puts one on net uh, or into the slot, rather. I'm not even sure he was trying to put it on net. And it finds its way to Gabe Velarde. Uh, he puts that one upstairs. I think he went Bardowski on that one. Makes it 2-1 to one for the Kings. And then a couple minutes after that, 
horrible zone exit attempt between uh, Johnny Kovacevic and Mike Hoffman. Gives the puck directly to Quinton Byfield. He goes down into the corner, looks out front, and Anzi Kopitar is standing out there all alone. Throws it out to him. Kopitar is not going to miss from there. Makes it 3-1. to one. Now, at this point, I go into the Eyes on the Prize Slack chat and I type, well, at least there's not going to be overtime tonight. And then sure as God's got sandals. Mike Matheson, skating through the neutral zone, just beautiful rush through the neutral zone. Man, can he really skate. And before he gets to the blue line, he throws it off to the left-hand side to Denis Gurianov. And Denis Gurianov walks over the blue line, has a look, reaches back, and fires one of the most gorgeous clappers you're ever going to see. Top corner, far side, just blows that thing past Phoenix Copley. If you haven't seen it yet, just go to my Twitter at DrakeMT. There I go, plugging my own Twitter again. I do have a highlight up there of it. It was an absolutely gorgeous clapper. I love that. And it's 3-2. to two. That was unfortunately all the Montreal Canadiens had. Or fortunately, if you're on Team Tank. And even more fortunately, if you're on Team Matt going to bed before 4 o'clock in the morning on a work night. Yes, sir. It works out for everybody. Now, again, we expected the Montreal Canadiens to lose here. I think everybody did anyways. I can't speak for everyone, but I think everybody expected them to lose. So I don't think we can be too upset about it. Um, I was upset about the first two periods and watching that fucking neutral zone trap. Ugh. You got, the, you got the personnel to pull off something better than that in L.A. I don't know why you're doing that. I mean, I, I guess I get it. Like I said, it, it is pretty effective at times, but it's annoying. It, it's boring like nobody who actually likes hockey likes watching that it sucks anyways it got better in the third and um let's go let's get right into it with your silver lining of the night um i I gotta give it to dennis gurianov because of that shot man there's nothing better than somebody just walking in from the blue line uh, especially a forward on the rush like that and just having the balls of steel to just see the opportunity in front of you and say you know what fuck it i'm gonna clap this one and he did it and uh and man it was beautiful that thing came back out of the net all the way up uh past the slot like it was in the high slot by the time it it actually trickled down and, and stopped moving uh that was an incredible shot by him and i think we are in the territory where we can say you know we're only two games in but I think the early returns from Gurianov suggest that we can also say this is a fantastic trade by Kent Hughes. I said this before, I'll say it again. Dadunov was never coming back to the Montreal Canadiens to get anything in return for him, particularly to get a 25-year-old player who had previously had what? He had a, didn't he have a fucking 17-point playoff run at one point? I have to go double-check that, but it doesn't matter. You get a 25-year-old kind of reclamation project player that you can take a look at maybe improving some things in his game and, and getting him to that next level where he could really be. And uh, he, he was fantastic in that game. It wasn't just that goal. Uh, he had another opportunity where he, like uh, the Kings were really effective on the breakout and they were trying to break out and he was just disrupting everything on that shift. Um, I'm impressed with him so far. I know it's only two games. It's a very small sample. I'm impressed. I think there's a player there. I think that they need to work with him and try to see how they can fine-tune some aspects of his game. And I think definitely he could be somebody that could be useful for them you know, throughout the course of the rebuild and maybe even on the other side when they're ready to compete. You know, you're not going to want him you know, on your top line or anything like that when you're, when you're actually like ready to go and make the playoffs. But for sure, your middle six, bottom six, absolutely. I think there's a, a valuable player there in him. Another silver lining. 
Now we're going to start talking about trades. So this silver lining is more of a, a more broad one uh, in that we saw some players who are potentially going to be on the block tomorrow play pretty well. Josh Anderson played fantastic. If there was any teams out there, and we know there's already a lot of interest in him anyways, but if there was any teams out there that kind of needed that one last push to make an offer for Josh Anderson and they were watching that game, how physical he was, at one point he was trying to keep himself onside and he blew Ansi Kopitar up accidentally. He wasn't even trying to hit him and blew him up. The guy is a beast. Um, again, I'm, I'm not too sure that anybody was looking at that particular game as like the reason they trade for him. But if they needed a little extra push right before the deadline, he gave it to him. For sure he did. And maybe somebody throws an offer to Mark, uh, not Marc Bergevin, but I got him on the brain because he was there, uh, to Kent Hughes that he can't refuse. You know, I think Anderson's definitely their best trade chip, um, their most valuable trade chip. There's a reason for that. And some people believe that the Habs should hold on to him for the same reason, right? I think that they need to cut bait and take assets where they can right now. And I think he's one of the best ways to do it. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that we hear something about him tomorrow. Nothing against him, but I, I want the team to accelerate this rebuild a little bit. The other one is Joel Edmondson. Now, I think Joel Edmondson is going to be a tougher sell because he was out for so long. But the, again, the silver lining here, it's not like he was fantastic in that game, but he played and he didn't look like he was worse for wear. So I guess if there was a deal out there for him, any team that was interested in acquiring him, at least they got to see him play and they get to go, well, you know what, maybe he's ready. And then last but not least, and again, I know this one's going to be almost impossible to move, but Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman looked great in that game. He had, uh, I mentioned it during the recap, uh, he had a number of golden chances on one of the power plays. They were really trying to feed him. Sorry. They were really trying to feed him um, right near that OV spot, like near the face-off dot on the right-hand side. And he was crushing some of those pucks. He was really trying to put one in. That was one of the more inspired performances I've seen from him this season. And I wonder, why was he so inspired? Is it because the deadline's coming tomorrow and he wants to get traded? Is he like, is he the kid that, you know, waits until the absolute last minute to do his homework and then puts together, you know, the best possible essay that he ever could and ends up with an A+. I don't know. Um, I'll give Kent Hughes however many A-pluses he wants if he manages to find a deal for Mike Hoffman, though, because I think they'd love to move on from that contract. I don't think it's going to happen, but I had to mention it here because I was talking about trade bait players anyways, so what are you going to do? The last one is Jake Allen. So Jake Allen was fantastic in that game. Um, He kind of held it together. It could have potentially gotten a little bit ugly for the Habs. I mean, fucking L.A. was running the trap the whole time, so I don't think it would have been a blowout. Uh, by any stretch, but Jake Allen played very well. And there were some rumors recently, um, you know, take them with a grain of salt because I haven't heard them from any big names or anything like that, but rumors recently that maybe Buffalo might be interested in Jake Allen, and I think that makes a lot of sense. A team like Buffalo, or maybe Buffalo themselves, would be a team that would make a lot of sense for Jake Allen to go to. A team that needs an upgrade on goaltending um, and is maybe entering into not necessarily a cup window, but like a competition window, a playoff window. Um, he signed for the next two years. His new extension kicks in next year. He's under $4 million per year. If he's your starting goaltender for the next two years at under $4 million on a team that's getting close to making the playoffs or maybe making the playoffs this year like Buffalo, might be a good home for him. There might be a few teams that could use a Jake Allen. 
I'm looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm wondering why they wouldn't think that they might need a Jake Allen, although I think that deal might be hard to make. It doesn't matter. The point is, if anybody is interested in Jake Allen, kind of the same thing as Mike Hoffman. If they needed that one extra push to make the offer, there there it was. It was in that game. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like the Habs have been pretty quiet on the on the rumor mill. We haven't heard, like, usually you hear something about the trades, right? But I will say this. We didn't hear a fucking word about the Dadanov trade before it happened. That kind of sprung out of nowhere. Nobody expected it. So maybe Kent Hughes keeps a very tight ship when it comes to rumors getting out. Just maybe he's got a bunch of trades on the docket for tomorrow and TSN's going to be super happy and they're just going to be covering the Habs all day because all the big names are already gone. And that's the other thing that might work in Kent Hughes' benefit tomorrow. The big names are already gone. There, There's not, like, what big names are there left? Eric Carlson? Don't tell me Eric Carlson. Nobody's trading for him. We already know that. They haven't even asked him to waive his no-trade clause. At least as far as we know. There's no big names. If there are any teams, and there are quite a few who are potentially playoff-bound, that haven't really improve their roster very much they might get desperate and they might get that FOMO you know fear of missing out and they might throw a little bit more than they should to get a player that they probably don't need and that benefits the Montreal Canadiens that benefits Kent Hughes if he can sell it there might be some opportunities out there for him to accelerate the rebuild a little bit at this deadline I don't know man we're we're gonna have to wait until tomorrow and find out um what time is the deadline at? Is it like 3 p.m.? I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern time. Maybe 4 p.m. Eastern. I think it's 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's always 3 p.m., isn't it? Anyways, it doesn't matter. We're all going to be sitting around looking at Twitter tomorrow and waiting to see if anybody gets dealt and whether or not the Habs can add some draft picks or whatnot. Um, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's either going to happen or it's not. Um, and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't. Right? Keep in mind, they can still wait until the draft and they can make some moves in the offseason. Adding draft picks does not require you to do it at the deadline. You can do it once the season's over as well. And some players, you know, like Jake Allen, for example, might be players that are easier to move in the offseason than they are at the deadline. Goaltenders, you know, they're not always on, they're not often on the move at the deadline, anyways. Um, <clears throat> my number one candidate would be Josh Anderson, as I mentioned. Um, but we'll see. We got to wait till tomorrow and find out. Last thing I want to leave you guys on, this one's, nah, leave it to me to end the podcast on a bad note, right? Uh, Justin Barron took a hit in the first period. Yeah, it was in the first period. Um, not really a hit from behind, but it was kind of hit on the back of his right shoulder and he got thrown into the end boards and left the game with an upper body injury. So that's not good. Uh, he looked pretty worse for wear on the bench before he ended up going to the room, and then they announced uh, ahead of the second period that he was not going to be back in that game. Um, the Habs have the worst injury luck this season. You thought last year was bad. This year, they're on pace to actually have more lost games, lost man games due to injury than they did last year. And last year was, I think, one of the worst in uh, franchise history. So it's it's hard out there for a pimp. It's hard out there for a pimp. Um, <laughs> it's not going well. Uh, wishing Justin Barron all the best. Um, I really hope he gets back to playing soon. I've been really enjoying him lately. Um, I felt like 
uh, that was a game where they really could have used him too. But playing against that trap, you know, you get a bit of a more mobile defenseman. You saw what Mike Matheson was able to do in the third period. I think Barron would have been um, pretty useful for them in that game. But I digress. All the best to him. Hope he gets better soon. I'm going to cut this one off now because I'm extremely tired. I want to go to bed. We are running still, despite me being tired, over 16 minutes, closer to 17 by the time I'm done with my little outro. So c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. I'm also on Substack, mattdrake.substack.com. Give me a follow over there. It's free and it always will be. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.